Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello Trojan fans, welcome to the Parastyle Podcast on a Wednesday. I've got a special show for you today, uh, Keely Yor, getting the day off. We're doing a special guest here on the Parastyle Podcast. I'm going to interview USC Offensive Coordinator Graham Harrell. So we got that interview about half an hour, uh, Graham and I talking. We were originally going to do it uh, video format, but... He had some things come up, and so we just did an audio, and we thought I'd do it as a podcast, and uh, I think it came out really good. He got a lot of uh, insight uh, into what's going on in the USC offense, and talking about the new offensive line coach, uh, Grant, uh, Clay McGuire, talking about uh, re- having to pre- replace his friend, uh, John David Baker, who was on the staff for a year, talking about the struggles in the run game, talking about Keaton Slovis, so a lot of good stuff. Hopefully, you guys enjoy that interview. You can check out Keela Yor. She'll be on the Family Feud podcast that'll come out a little bit later this week. And we'll have a tunnel vision show on Sunday night talking about all the latest happenings around the USC football program. But this one today is going to focus on uh, my conversation with uh, Graham Harrell. So it was nice enough to, uh, he was nice enough to spend some time uh, with me on the phone. And uh, we'll play that for you in a minute. Before we get to all that, just want to let everyone know if you have any questions or comments for the show, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com, or you could call or text us. The number is 424-254-9141. Also, if you're on the Apple Podcasting app, uh, we'd love for you to subscribe to the show um, if you do that, and also leave us a five-star rating, any kind of uh, feedback, suggestions, questions uh, you may have. Uh, we do appreciate that. I think we have... Uh, one new review, a five-star one from JB, class of 8082. He says, uh, run, quote, tells shotgun play breakdown. He says, absolutely love the work that shotgun did during the season on breaking down plays. Would love to see it continue in the offseason. Says 21% of SC's running plays lost yardage. Were there some tells, quote, tells that gave away when SC was running? Changes in lineman stance. Someone posted a picture with the lineman leaning back running back or quarterback positioning? Uh, yeah, really good question there. Because and, and I think, you know, talking to Graham Harrell, you'll hear in the interview, really at the end of it, him talking about, you know, what they have to look at uh, for the run game. And I think all of that stuff is going to come up. Sometimes it could be assignment things, sometimes, you know, schematically, whatever they're practicing. He said they need to, like, evaluate it all and come up with, uh, you know, some solutions there. So, yeah, certainly the run game was not up to, to snuff. Uh, I haven't seen any specific tells. It was funny. I remember talking to, yeah, it's a couple different de- defenders, SC defenders over the years, like kind of asking, like, how you figure out diagnosis of a play is a run uh, or a pass. And some of it is is as simple as looking at an offensive lineman's fingers. And if they're red, uh it usually means like the knuckles on their fingers, they're pushing harder into the ground. They're leaning forward. They're going to be run blocking. Um, they might be a little softer and you don't see that kind of redness as a, you know, the, the the bulk of the offensive lineman's weight is on those fingers. If there are, he's probably moving forward. If they're not, he might be moving backward. So 
I think that's part of football, not just, you know, diagnosing the run game. You're really trying to figure out what the play is going to be. And sometimes it could be one offensive lineman that's leaning a little forward or leaning backwards. And you know uh, if the play is going to be a run or it's going to be a pass. So I think those are all things you kind of have to look at. But thanks for uh, that question and that review, that five-star review, uh, JB. Also want to thank our sponsor, Trader Joe's. They've been uh, great to us over the years, and we're happy to have them back again for another year. I'm, like I said, I'm pretty much going in at least once a week uh, to my local Trader Joe's here in uh, Hermosa Beach. And I like going on TraderJoe's.com and checking out some of the stuff uh, that you you know I might want to go in and buy. And so these Hatch Chili Chicken Wraps look really good. Um, they're like this almost like little dumpling kind of things. And, uh, you know, with the, with, with the chili chicken inside and you can put some salsa and stuff on it, maybe a little sour cream. Uh, so, man, they look great. It's a crop. They call it a cross between a burrito and a quesadilla um so it's a one-two punch of cheesy filling hatch chili spiced uh deliciously and conveniently packaged so they're easy to eat so i'm definitely going to check those out next time i go in all right well you want to hear about me you want to hear about graham harrell so let's let's uh head over and do uh right after this quick break we'll have graham harrell on talking about the usc uh offense and what to expect in uh, year three Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right. Well, we're joined here on the Parastel Podcast. Graham Harrell, USC Offensive Coordinator. Uh, Graham, thanks for uh, coming on the show today. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Excited, huh? Yeah. (laughs) Well, 2020 was kind of crazy exciting year for you guys, but just logistically how different was it than the year before where it's just all this the protocols everything you had to go through I mean how much more challenging was it just getting through the day-to-day stuff a lot <laughs> it's hard to I mean you can't even compare the two years really um you know like you said with with all the crazy protocols and and the COVID issues and I mean to be honest with you it was a it was a huge credit I think to our our, our players and the type of people they are um, that we were able to, to do what we did last year um, and have the success we had because uh, we, we put those, those young men through a lot and uh, they, they took it in stride. They handled it really well. Um, and, and, you know, to be honest with you, even the – they don't even think they're going to have a season and they get thrown into a season and we got to get going from that standpoint. And so, um, like I said, it's a credit to those guys and, and I couldn't be uh, – you know, it, it was – I'm really proud of the guys we have and the way they handled the situation we threw them in. Because it was so crazy, how do you go back and kind of rate what year two was in this offense versus year one, knowing that there was 
a whole bunch of other factors at play besides just playing football. Yeah, I think it's hard to compare this year, um, especially out here on the West Coast. I think it's hard to <laughs> – they almost have to just scratch it from the record book, I feel like. But, no, they uh, – it, it, it was a totally different year. And like I said, I think um, more than anything, what this year was like overcoming adversity and, and being able to be resilient and battle through. And so, uh, you know, from a lot of perspectives, I think that uh, it looked different and, and – um, it's hard to compare it to any other year, uh, but it, it's something, like I said, it, it, we face a lot of adversity and I think that uh, we grew as a team and we grew as a, probably a program uh, because of a lot of stuff we had to go through. And, and hopefully in the long run, we'll look back and say that was a, you know, that, that was a really good year and, and, and was a year that springboarded us with growth because like I said, more than anything, we had to overcome adversity as a team. And, and in order to do that, we had to, we really did have to come together. And, and um, I think the team grew closer and, and because they had to battle through so much. At the end of the day, I mean, it looks like the protocols you guys put in place worked well. There was that one, you know, missing a game with a, you know, like a false positive is sort of like snowballed things a little bit, but for the most part, I mean, you seem to got, you guys seem to navigate this really well. Um, the one, you know, caveat being you had that weak, getting ready for, I believe it was the Washington state game where the offensive linemen basically weren't available. Like what was that week of practice? Like, I mean, it seems like you guys were just doing seven on seven drills. Yeah. I've never seen anything like it. Um, but you know, I do think that the USC and the administration and everyone, the protocols they put into place were phenomenal. And I think that, I mean, <laughs> they weren't easy to always go through, but, but I think that as far as protecting our student athletes and protecting us as a university uh, from COVID, if anyone did it better than us, I'd like to see it. You know what I mean? And, and uh, they, you know, they were willing to spend money. They were willing to do whatever they had to do to, to make sure that um, we did things right and, and we're safe and, and as healthy as we possibly could be. And so, um, you know, again, I think that's a credit to those guys and they really took care of us. And, and, and our guys did a great job of following them, to be honest with you. You know, we talk about being selfless, self and discipline. And, and as far as the discipline side of things go, I think we, our guys did as well as anyone. Uh, but but that Washington State week, you know, we, we we go an entire week of practice with no offensive line, but I've never seen anything like it. And, and like you said, basically, <laughs> team periods where, you know, we, we would do a live seven on or not a lot, but a, a full speed seven on seven period against our defense just to get the game speed ramp for those skill guys. And then our team periods were basically seven on seven walkthroughs, and, and um, we literally didn't have anyone to any alignment to practice with. And so. Um, it was an interesting week. I've never, like I said, I've never been a part of anything like it. Uh, I have a hard time believing I'll ever be a part of anything like it again, unless cope. Uh, you know, it's it was something that going into the game, to be honest with you, I, you know, we play on a Sunday. Going into that game, I, you know, I felt really good about where we were with our skill guys. But they had a good week, and I knew they'd be fresh. Uh, but it's kind of like, man, we're just. <laughs> I don't know what this is about to look like up front, you know, because. <laughs> I'm a guy that believes you got to practice whatever, you know, to be good at anything, you got to practice. And for those guys to be stuck in a hotel for 10 days or however long they're in there and come out on Saturday play on Sunday, that we were able to do hard. Uh, that, that's a tough situation. But but they came in. Uh, they, I think a lot of it is, you know, we have experienced guys and we have very talented guys. And so um, they were able to execute well enough to, like I said, we get up, what were we, 35 0 or 30, you know, we get up big early. Um, and able to hang on to it, obviously. And so, um, 
to credit those guys that came out of the hotel, they, they, that was a tough situation for them. Again, it's a week that I've never seen anything like and then probably never will see anything like again. Did you end up having like a post-mortem meeting with Keaton Slovis after the season? I know he got you know injured in that last play, but any sort of like, well, that's over. Here's what here's what the thoughts are. Here's where we're going to go for next year. Anything like that? We'll we'll do that this spring, to be honest with you. And uh, I mean, obviously, Keaton and I have a great relationship. So I've talked to him. What feels like, I mean, <laughs> I talked to him probably all of it. I talked to him too much, probably. I mean, he talk, calls me all the time. But he uh, he. Uh, you know, we, we've obviously talked a lot, but we haven't sat down and really have like, hey, <laughs> you know, this is what this is what 2020 was. Um, this is how we'll get better. And, you know, I think that that's what, uh, you know, we talked about earlier that, that it was a different type of season. And um, it's hard to say like exactly, you know, it's, I think it's hard to, to figure out schematically and stuff like that. It, it, it would be difficult to say, hey, this is, this is where we were great. This is where we weren't great. Or this is why uh, with, with everything that went into it for those kids. But uh, still as a staff, we'll sit down and, and try to figure that, you know, still watch the cutups and sit down and watch, you know, every play we have, we'll, we'll organize them by, by concept, like most people do and figure out, Hey, what were we good at? What were we not good at? Let's figure out why we were good at it and why, or why we weren't good at it and, and figure out if going forward, what we can do to be better at that play, or is this a play that just doesn't fit us very well? You know what I mean? And 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 evaluate from that standpoint. Um, and we'll and and I'll do the same thing with Keaton. After I do that with the coaching staff, we'll sit down with Keaton, and and I think, like you said, there'll be some of it as far as, hey, this is what 2020 was. It was a wild year. A lot of things were out of our control, and, and I think we did a great, a really, really good job of trying to. And we talk about it, and I, I really do think our kids and and. Our, our university did a good job of, hey, let's just try to control what we can control and not worry about the rest. And so from that standpoint, I'll be proud, but then we'll sit down and watch the cutups and figure out, hey, what did what did we do well as a quarterback or what did Keaton do well as a quarterback? What did he not do well? And let's figure out how we can get better. Do you think um, just, you know, from year one to year two, opponents having more tape on the offense and having tape on Keaton Slovis and maybe some of his tendencies or what he does well, um, do you think that impacted things at all? Um, I, I mean, <laughs> I, that, that's a good question. I don't think, I think that, uh, I, I don't really know how much that, it, you know, I, I don't, I don't know how much of an advantage that does for them or what, what, uh, you know, the more tape, the better. I think that every year you try to evolve, um, and, and try to do what that team does best. And I think that's our, that's really kind of what we try to do as an offense is figure out what does this group of young men, what fits them the best and what gives us the best chance to be successful with this, with this current team. And so um, you evolve a little bit from that standpoint. Uh, I think with obviously a a large part of that is the quarterback. So um, you try to figure out what your quarterback does well, what he's good at and and put him in position to be successful. Because I think that uh, if, if the quarterback believes in it and if the quarterback is good at it, most of the time that play works, you know? And so, yeah. uh, cause he's the one out there having to execute it at a really high level. And so um, with the quarterback, I, I mean, with, with this, if you have a returning quarterback, I think you're going to look pretty, most of the time you'll look pretty similar to you, to what you were the year before. Cause again, you're always trying to do what he does best because that's usually what works the best. And so um, you, you will see some, like I said, I, I do think that, as the year, you know, the, the longer you have one quarterback, the the more 
it's going to look like, you know, teams will have more tape to prepare for that kid and, and, and for that particular offense. Um, but you still have to, like I said, kind of kind of uh, figure out what fits those group of kids best too. Because, you know, Michael Pittman's good at things or, you know, that the, his skill set's different than Amaral's. So you got to figure out, hey, not only what does this quarterback execute at a high level, but what, what are these receivers good at? And let's try to figure that out and put them in a position to be successful too. And so um, you'll always look different. You'll always evolve a little bit. Uh, but with that quarterback, I think as long as you have uh, the same quarterback, you'll look pretty similar too, you know what I mean, from that standpoint. So um, I don't know, like I said, I think that, that uh, teams obviously have a lot of tape, but I, but I still think uh, when our guys go out there and play at high level. Um, shift the offensive line a little bit. Uh, bringing in Clay McGuire, someone that you're very – familiar with that, you know, been around him at Texas Tech and Washington State. Wanted to kind of get your thoughts on him and how involved you were in, you know, trying to find the the next offensive line coach for your offense. Uh, you know, Coach Helton was great with me on that. And, I, and we worked together well and, and tried to figure out who's best for this staff, who's best for these players, and who's best for this team, ultimately. And I think that um, what anytime you're bringing in someone new into your staff or into – it's almost like a family. I mean, we spend so much time – well, I spend more time with them than a family, unfortunately. I mean, <laughs> not unfortunately, but that, that's uh, – you know, you, you spend a lot of time with those guys. And I think that uh, Coach Halton did a really good job. Uh, and like I said, we worked together with it. But I think he understands that when you're, when you're bringing someone into that setting, you know, you're not making a decision that's best for one person. you got to make a decision that's best for uh, everyone involved, you know, and, and especially as the head coach you've got to make a decision that you think uh, benefits um, that's best for a hundred and, you know, 200 guys, you know, the staff and, and players and everyone involved in the program. And so um, you kind of have to have that big picture mindset. And I think that, that uh, like I said, Coach Helton, myself, uh, a lot of people reached out to us. We talked to a lot of people. We did Zoom interviews, which was, which was new, but uh, <laughs> kind of what we have to do right now. And, and we're able, like I said, to sit down with a whole lot of people, uh, had a lot of names, and, and got to talk to a lot of great people. And at the end of the day, had to make the decision uh, that, that was, like I said, what we thought was best for an entire program, you know. And, and uh, Clay's a, uh, Clay McGuire is, is a great man, and, and uh, he's a really, really good football coach. Obviously, I was with him at Washington State and watched him work. Um, has a lot of great ideas. I think he sees the game and has a, a philosophy that's similar to the way uh, I see the game and, and and kind of what I believe. And so from that standpoint, I think he'll do a great job. And and but ultimately, I think this. I think any business, but but coaching in, is the same. Like it comes down to people and having the right people in that room and having people that uh, all pull the rope in the same direction and and people that uh, are just good people and that are going to care about those guys and, and work as hard as they possibly can. And if you find that, like I said, I think you're going to be successful. And I think we found that in Clay McGuire. Is it important? I mean, this comes up a lot. People, you know, not being an offensive line guru or anything, having someone that would coach the line that's, you know, have been in this type of offense that you run, an air raid type of thing where it's, you know, spread out and things like that. Is that important? Like are the concepts different, the, the splits or anything different with the offensive line that it, you want a better, a, a, a good fit for the offensive line coach to the offense? Yeah, I think that, uh, to be honest with you, and and, and obviously, <laughs> Clay has been and you know has, has coached in 
system similar to what we do. And, and, you know, like I've said, since I've been here and we get tagged the area, we're not really the air raid. I think that only Mike Leach runs the air raid, but, um, you know, I think having some, some background or some knowledge and something similar to what we do will obviously help. But, but if I'm being honest, like, uh, good coaches, especially at that position, I think can coach in any, in any system, you know what I mean? And I think yeah. that, uh, so, so we looked at people from all, I mean, not just people from this background or, or people that have background in the systems in this system. Uh, I think that good football coaches can coach in any system. I really do believe that. And, and ultimately it's about finding the right people for that room and, and, and the right fit for that, for that team. And, and so, uh, and I think a lot of that just has to do with the type of person they, they, they try hiring, the type of personality they have, kind of the, the, the their, uh, football philosophy i guess if you will and so um and ultimately finding people that care about young men and work really really hard on the field and in recruiting and and i think ultimately that's what that's what we believed about coach mcguire was this dude is going to love these young men he's going to coach them really hard and he's going to work his tail off and if if you have someone that's going to do those things it really doesn't matter what system they've been they'll learn football you know what i mean and that's that's the cool thing about this profession i think is you know, you can learn to teach like the on the field stuff, uh, but but uh, it's it's kind of I don't know if it's the intangibles, but you know when, when you're looking at recruiting and when you're looking at football players, you, you know you can't. It's hard to ever figure out the intangibles without really really knowing the kid, and, and by the time you really really know them, they're already on campus most of the time. You know what I mean? And so yeah. uh, same thing with coaches. I think you're trying to kind of figure out the intangible side of things, and and uh, and those are those. I think have more to do with success than even, Hey, what system have you been in? What do you know ball wise? Because if you don't work your tail off and, and you don't, you don't know something that we do or something that we're going to do, uh, then you can go learn it. You know, you can go learn the X's and O's. Uh, it's hard to, it's hard to teach or learn like just work ethic and stuff like that, that, that uh, probably has more to do with success than the X's and O side of things anyway. That makes sense. Um, so the uh, Clay McGuire, he told a story to the Washington State 24-7 sports site about when you were first on staff there, I think going on the recruiting trail and you had like an expired driver's license and he had to like pick you up and take cabs. Right? Do you remember that? Was that uh, kind of the early coaching experience for uh, Graham Harrell there? Oh, that's a true story now. So <laughs> Coach McGuire, uh, so he, I took over his area. So he like Sacramento down to Fresno whenever we were Washington State. When I got on, I took over Sacramento down to Fresno. And uh, I flew into uh, and recruit. My birthday's in May, May 22nd. So I flew into Fresno and uh, it was right around my birthday. And I went to rent a car. And uh, they said, You can't rent a car. Your, your license is expired. I'm like, Well, they just let me on the airplane with this license. So obviously it's not. <laughs> Like I think I'm good. I wasn't paying attention to the expiration date on my on my license. Like, no, this just expired. So I took a cab to uh, the hotel, and then I uh, <laughs> I called our I called our uh, like recruiting guy there in Washington State and said, "Hey, what do you want me to do as far as uh, recruiting?" And uh, he said, "Just go go find basically an Uber driver and a cab guy." And just tell him that you're going to hire him for the day and have him take you to your spots. <laughs> and so uh, I had me a little driver and, and uh, he would go drop me off at the school and sit out front. And, and then uh, when I came out, we'd go to the next school. And uh, 
I'm calling Clay because, like I said, I was Clay's on area. I'm like, dude, what, like, what's, what do I need to do? And he ended up, Clay ended up driving up to Fresno to pick me up, and uh, the next day, and so I kind of recruited with him the rest of the way. But yeah, that's a true story. I, I checked my driver's <laughs> license a little more. Actually, my driver's license expires this year because that was five years ago, and they gave me a five-year. Uh, I guess they gave me a five-year like extension on my driver's license, so it expires again this year. I better, uh, you know, talk to that <laughs> Nice, you got something to do now. Uh, well, yeah. talk about rec- talk about recruiting though. You guys signed a couple quarterbacks, uh, Miller Moss and uh, Jackson Dart. Um, you know, any thoughts uh, on those two guys? Obviously, you're involved in in recruiting those guys, but what what are your thoughts on them? Yeah, we I think we had the jackpot with two guys, and and uh, kind of be more excited about the guys we brought in, and and. Uh, Really, the signing class as a whole, I thought, I thought we did a good job of evaluating. And, and with kind of like I talked about with the season, um, with COVID going on, it was a totally different experience. And I, and I think some good came out of it. And I think that we found some things that uh, – or we did some things that we'll do moving forward that will help us moving forward. And, and I think that, that COVID will kind of change – I mean, if nothing else, it opened you up and, and how valuable that can be in recruiting, you know. And so um, – I think that it was a different year, but to sign the class we signed in the midst of in the midst of, of uh, what was going on with COVID and the protocols and the dead periods, um, it was uh, you know I think we were, we were we did a good job. We were fortunate to sign the class we signed, but with those two quarterbacks, uh, it, that, those were big time gifts for us, and and especially with the as thin as that room is. Uh, you know, when you play a freshman like we did with Keaton and then JT leaves, I mean, it's it's hard to get the people come in, especially this level, because they want to play right away. And and, uh, and I understand that. And I, you know, I can see it. And with Keaton being there, that's the thing about us. We always say, like, come beat him out. Or, you know, I mean, like, you know, it, it's always going to be an open competition for us, you know. And, and uh, so come compete. But at the same time, I, like, I get the other side of it, too, is – you know, you got a guy with that much experience. It's hard to beat people out when when they just have that much experience in the system on you. So, uh, you know, I can see both sides of it. But um, because of the situation, we were really thin at the position, and uh, and to be able to sign two and two of that quality was huge for us. And I think it really sets us up to be successful uh, moving forward. Because I think that the game of football at any level now, high school, college pros. I mean, look at who was playing in the NFC championship. I mean, the, the championship games in the NFL last year, probably the four quarterbacks that played at the highest level this football season, you know, yeah. and I think that it's a quarterback driven game. Now um, the game has turned into that at every level. And so you got to have good quarterbacks. And I think that, um, like I said, to sign two of the quality of Miller and Jackson um, really sets us up moving forward to, to, uh, to be successful for a long time. The uh, one last thing for you, Graham, thanks for the time. Um, so, you know, bringing in Clay McGuire, I don't know if it's official yet, but reports about John David Baker, um, you know, going to Lane Kiffin at, at Old Miss. You promoted him last year. You know, he had come with you uh, from North Texas. What did you see him in his first year really as a full-time assistant? And, uh, you know, what do you think about him uh, potentially going to Old Miss if that's the case? I think that John David did a really, really good job, and I knew he would. You know, obviously, <laughs> I'm probably a little biased towards John David because he's like uh, he's like my brother, you know, and he's been with me for a long, long time. And uh, and so I thought I thought he did a good job. I thought he got our tight ends playing at a high level. Um, I thought the guys in the room related to him well. 
uh, competed well. And like I said, I think they played at a, at a higher level this year. A lot of it's just because um, the job he did with them and, and get them to, you know, get them to believe and get them to buy in and get them to play at a really, you know, get them to play hard every single snap. And that's half the battle at any position, you know. And so from an on-the-field standpoint, uh, he, he did a great job. And then, you know, I think that, um, you know, where you really saw him do a great job is in recruiting and, and you know, to sign two guys at the level of the late and, and big trade, uh, I mean, that's a that's a an unbelievable recruiting job, you know, and, and we're signing one, you know, a, a kid from both kids uh, from kind of far off that you're having to beat everyone in the country on. That just shows the kind of guy he is and how hard he works at it, you know, and I think that that's why he did a good job in recruiting is because he relates well to those kids. He builds relationships well with them uh, and then works really, really hard at it. And so, you know, from that standpoint, there, there's no, I mean, like I said, there's no denying the, the job he did. And uh, so I think that, that uh, he did a great job for us. And uh, that, that's, you know, exactly what I expected, you know, exactly what I knew he would do because I know the type of guy he is, the, the type of coach he is and how hard he works. And, uh, you know, I think that it, it, as far as, you know, the whole miss deal, um, you know, I hate to see him go because he's, you know, like I said, one of my best friends in the world and like my little brother. But, uh, you know, I think what, what people don't understand and not only with taking jobs and stuff like that is, you know, but but there, there's more than just football involved in this. And, and you know, coaches have families and, and there's wives and kids and, and all sorts of stuff involved in, in everything we do. And I think that as coaches <laughs> – you know, the outside world doesn't always see that or probably doesn't even realize that, you know, we got wife and kids at home and we're having to make decisions that are best for not not necessarily what we always think is best for us, but what's best for what's best for families and stuff like that. And that's a part of the business that I think a lot of people don't see and don't understand and, and probably don't ever think about. Um, but at the end of the day, you, I think you have to make, you know, or, or the topic again, if you <laughs> the type of guys that I want around me at least and, and the type of guys I think you should be are people that, you know, you love football and you work as hard as you can work at your job. Uh, but your first responsibility has to be to the people at home. The first responsibility has to be, you know, for me, what's best for what's best for Hawk and what's best for Brittany, my wife, you know, and, and um, you got to make decisions based on that. And I think that John David uh, is in a situation where, you know, he's having to make decisions what, you know, I've got to be selfless in this and not necessarily say what's best for, for me, but what's best for my family, what's best for my wife. And, and so there's a lot of stuff like that that goes into any decision you make. And, and uh, again, I think that a lot of times people don't see that or don't think about that side of things, but you know, it, it's not just uh, us coaches that, that are involved in these decisions. There's a lot more to it, you know? And so again, I hate to see him go. He's, he's a great friend and a great coach. Uh, but there's, you know, like I said, there, there's more to coaching than just coaching. And, and, uh, and like I said, the type of guy he is, he has to make decisions that are best for not only him, but, but the people that rely on him too. Um, just sort of related to that new offensive line coach, uh, potentially new, you know, tight end coach there. The run game wasn't probably where you guys wanted it to be this year. Is that something that can be addressed with, you know, the, the coaching style or anything you can address this off season, trying to get the, uh, the run game a little bit better? Yeah, I think that, that uh, you know, coaching – I mean, here's the deal. I think Coach Jevonel's a great coach, and, and you can look at where he's been and what he's done, and, like, there's no arguing type of coach he is. So, you know, I don't think that to be – I mean, and it, if I'm being like, I don't think it's a necessarily a coaching issue. Um, 
because I think we have good people. You know what I mean? I think we've, you know, he was good to us. And, and, and so uh, he, he did a good job and worked his tail off from that standpoint. Uh, but it, but it's definitely something, like I said, in, in the pass game and the run game, it's something that, that we're going to go back and look at, you know, we'll, we'll watch every single play and figure out, try to find themes um, in our run game and in our pass game and, and in our certain plays. Like, what was the thing? Why, why you know, if this play didn't average what we thought it should have averaged, what was the issue? You know, what, why, why is that? You know, and, and uh, so that's what we do after every season. Really, we do that after every season and every spring ball. Go watch the cutups and figure out, hey, what did we do at a high level? And how can we better – or what did we not do at a high level? Uh, what we did at a high level, is there anything we can do any bet, even better? And what we didn't do at a high level, like, hey, what can we – why what, why weren't we executing this the way we should have executed it? Let's figure that out and now go improve on it. And so that's something that we'll probably start as soon as everyone gets into the office and we get the whole staff together, start going through the kind of – pouring through that and figuring out, hey, one – where we try to do something that our that our personnel wasn't good at. Okay, if that's the case, let's figure out what our personnel is good at and do more of that. Two, if 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 it's not a personnel deal, let's figure out, you know, where we teaching something wrong, where we where we reading something wrong. What what was the what was the reoccurring theme as to why something wasn't as good as it should have been? You know, and, and a lot of times, like in the past game, this is an easy example. Like, hey, we were short on this route. Every time it didn't work, it was because the, the the receiver cut the route short. You know what I mean? Well, that's an easy fix. We got to be on these. We got to stay on the guy about, hey, you have to get your depth for this to work, you know, or the quarterback's footwork wasn't right. And so he was late with the ball three times, three out of the ten times we ran this play last year. Well, that's a fix, and we got to be on that quarterback by getting his footwork right. Well, you can do the same thing in the pass game and the run game. Figure out, you know, hey, the, the you know, this tackle – was had used poor footwork on, on inside zone this year. And that and it shows up over and over. And if we just use proper footwork, we're going to get more yards. Well, those are easy fixes. And that's something that, that will be a, an emphasis in the off season. And so, um, you know, I think that, that that's the way we approach every off season and at any time, you know, figure out what we can do better, how to be better at whatever we're doing, put our guys in the best position, position to be successful, let them go do it. And, uh, you know, the other thing I think that, that with COVID, you know, we, we had to be very particular about the way we practice. You know, like I said, like it's Washington State or all I didn't practice at all. And, then, you know, Jeez. that is that there's not a lot we can do on that because of the situation. But we had to be smart about trying to keep people healthy because you lose one guy, you may be losing a whole game, you know, because one guy goes out with injury, then you hit COVID, well, you lose an entire off, you know, you could lose an entire uh, – position group and now you're not playing a game and so the way we practice we had to be strategic with it but at times that also makes it difficult to to really be real physical and, and get good at it so I think that as a staff that's the other thing we got to figure out was hey not only what did we do what what's on tape that we could do better but um in preparation what can we do better like I said like I said in the very beginning to be good at anything I think you have to practice it and you have to practice it at full speed and at a high level and so um, like I said, a lot of circumstances had a lot of things to do with the way we were able to do things last season, and, and that is what it is. Hopefully, moving forward, the circumstances change, um, and let's figure out, hey, what's the best way to prepare to go be really physical and 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 uh, execute everything we do at a high level. And so, 
um, that'll kind of be what we'll try to figure out between now and whenever spring ball starts. Once spring ball hits, we'll, we'll try to get better, and then we'll watch the cutups after spring ball and see going into the next season what can we do. You know, again, what can we do better? So that'll kind of be the process, and, and that's the fun part about coaching. Uh, you get to do things like that and continually try to improve and continue, continually try to see what you're doing well, what you're not doing well, and how can you do it better. Graham Harrell, USC Offensive Coordinator. Again, thank you uh, for taking some time out in this offseason. I know it's been kind of crazy, and uh, good luck. I think spring ball is going to start early April, so good luck with all of that in this offseason. I sure appreciate it. Enjoy talking to you, and uh, like I said, you made the drive in and go by a little quicker. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, best of luck. Thanks again. Yeah, see ya. All right. Well, great stuff uh, from Graham Harrell. Hope you guys all enjoyed that one uh thanks to graham again for for coming on and, and sharing some insights so like i said we'll have a family feud podcast going on um later this week so you can get some questions into them podcast at uscfootball.com or um you know you could tweet at keely keely is my name and they'll get some questions there up on uh the show and we'll have our tunnel vision show on sunday night live show we'll talk about this graham harrell interview and and everything else going forward. So that's a, that's a wrap. Thanks to Graham again. And thanks to all of you for listening to the Parasol Podcast. We will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices, every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.